This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. A few months ago, I had a unique uh, uh, opportunity. I was out in Dallas, Texas, and I went to a program called Life Today. Life Today in Dallas, Texas. They were going to interview me, James and Betty Robinson, about my book, Defy the Odds. And so uh, I got there, and they said, we're going to interview you. And after we interview you, there will be another young lady that's going to be interviewed. I said, what is her name? And they said, well, it's Maddie Jackson Selectman. And she's written a book. And I said, well, tell me a little bit about Maddie Jackson Selectman. And they said, well, Pastor Benny, have you ever heard of the country singer Alan Jackson? Anybody ever heard of that guy? They said, uh, it's his daughter. It's his daughter, and she's got a tremendous story. So what I did, I finished my interview, and they said, you're welcome to go now. And I said, no, no, I don't want to go. I want to stay. I want to stay. I want to hear her interview. I want to hear her interview. And I heard her interview, and I saw how faithful God had been in her life and what God had done for this young lady, how he had strengthened her and given her a very special grace. And I said, what a special, special story. So I want you to do something. I want you to do something before I preach. Um, you said, Brother Benny, you're going to preach. Uh, it's a Pope Catholic. Get real. Listen, folks. <laughs> look here. Look here. I want you to join me in letting Maddie Jackson Selectman know how thrilled we are to have her at Rock Springs Church. Would you do that? <laughs> Maddie, you come. Glad you're here, Maddie. Thank you for having me. Maddie, what a joy to have you in Georgia. Hey, it's good to be back in Georgia. It's been a minute. Well, I knew, I knew Maddie, that, uh, that you have lived in Nashville, your dad and mom, but also knew that your dad came from Noonan, Georgia, and your mother came from Noonan, Georgia, and it was neat to meet you and have Cindy in the service with us today, but also not only to have Cindy, but to have your mother, Denise mm -hmm. Jackson. Can we let them know how thrilled we are to have them in the service? <laughs> Maddie, I, I go to Tennessee this week. I've, you, sh you saw the video clip, not an exaggeration. I walk in my mother's house, Melba Jean, and on the wall in Melba Jean's house, not a, not a photo of her son, Benny Tate. <laughs> but on the wall in Melba Jean's house, a big framed picture of Alan Jackson. <laughs> I said, Mama, there, there he is. She said, yeah, I've got another one. I'm going to get up. I've got, this, I've got to get it up too. So uh, my mother's a big fan. Hey, folks, are you a fan of Alan Jackson? Maddie, what was it like growing up and having, uh, growing up, Alan and Miss Denise as your parents? Well, I didn't know there was a genre outside of country until I was about 12, <laughs> um, which I love still. But you know what? It, it, we've had some incredible experiences because of dad's career um, and just have been so blessed over the course of my life. But I will also say I am just as grateful 
for the sense of normalcy that my parents maintained for us and sort of kept us out of what can be hard um, in a celebrity family. And, you know, Pastor Benny, we, we grew up riding four-wheelers and going to the lake on the weekend and, you know, getting bribed with Krispy Kreme donuts to go to church on Sundays. <laughs> you know, it's like, just like everybody else. So I feel uh, it's very cool to be back near their hometown and we're headed there this afternoon. And so it's special for me. Well, Maddie, I, I, don't think, I don't think your dad ever got away from his roots. I mean, I think he always acknowledged where he came from. He's a wonderful, wonderful person. You've got a wonderful mother that I've gotten to know a little bit that just loves God deeply. Yes, yes. And that's, I mean, that's the foundation of our family. And that's why it's so neat to be back here with y'all and sharing my story and, and how God's worked in my life the past few years specifically. Well, you know, Maddie, as I said, when I was talking about my book, and I was back there, and you were talking about your book called Lemons on Friday, which, by the way, is a great, great book, Lemons on Friday, I, I assure you. But uh, tell us a little bit, uh, Maddie, you, you go off, you go to school. I guess you leave and go to school. Yes, UT Knoxville. Go Vols. Sorry, that's unpopular. Say that one more time. Uh, go Vols. I just sense the presence of God all over this place. Amen. I just sense God's moving in this place. Amen. Yes. If that wasn't God's favorite team, why'd he put that big orange ball in the sky? All right. But so you went there, Maddie. Talk to me about it. Yeah. So I went to school in Knoxville and um, then came back home to Nashville and ended up meeting um, my husband, Ben, for a good friend. We were all volunteers. And uh, that was in my mid-20s. And we ended up marrying when we were both 27 and he moved to Nashville, started our life and just had a wonderful few years together. Um, and then about three weeks before our first anniversary, this was about three and a half years ago, um, lost him to a really tragic uh, brain injury. It was just a freak thing, slipping, getting up onto a boat, hit his head, and then you know, 12 days in the ICU and, and multiple brain surgeries. And we really never went into that with the expectation that he wouldn't come out of it and it was just too much for him and he passed three weeks before our first anniversary. Maddie being, he was 27 years old, right? 28, we had just turned 28. Just turned 28. Maddie, uh, talk, talk to me a little bit. What kind of person was being? That's part of, I think, the tragedy. He just was this big, larger than life, charming, um, energetic, passionate person. And I think in a way that was part of why people grieved uh, so much over his death. And since then, I will say there's also a part of me that's grateful he lived that way because he had a fuller life at 28 than a lot of people do at 60. And so right. for that, I'm grateful. Well, you know, somebody said, Matt, it's not the duration, it's the donation that counts. Yeah. It's not the duration of life. It's not the, um, you know, length of days. It's the, you know, what you do with your days. Maddie, uh, here's what I would say. When, uh, when you found out about this, and of course, being passed, and you're, some of it's in the book, uh, how, how did you, uh, you know, listen, folks, that's devastating. Talking about asking God why. Mm. Why? And folks, you know, Jesus even said why. Yeah. Why? And I know you went through some why. Why, yeah. why did this, because you all, there's not a bit of doubt in my mind, you were planning on you all having children and having a family and y'all made plans, mm -hmm. would that be correct? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's part of um, what was so hard and I, you know, there's all different stages of grief and I don't think they're linear, I think it feels like chaos, but there was, I did have an, a, a point of anger, it was not 
my first reaction, but for the reason you just said, it's like I lost this person that I love, but I also lost the whole life that I thought was ahead of me, and why would you let that happen? And so what I would tell everybody is, is grapple with that why. Like that why does not make you unfaithful. Doubting and being angry with God does not scare him. He can handle it. I've said words to him in prayer that I'm not gonna say on this stage. <laughs> and I meant it because I was heartbroken. And in fighting through that with him, I just it just brought me back to, man, he's, he's crying with us. Like That's Jesus right. wept. That's right. God hates death and he will be so near to you in it that, that you'll learn to love him even more, even, even though that sounds counterintuitive in those seasons of grief. Right. Maddie, what you just said is so true. See, most people think that, that doubt is the opposite of unbelief, mm. but doubt's not the opposite of unbelief. I mean, I mean, doubt's not the opposite of faith. Think about this. There's faith and then there's unbelief. Those are the opposites. Mm -hmm. We'll have doubt. Yeah. Doubt is when I have faith, but I'm struggling in my mm -hmm. faith. I, I, I've doubted. I mean, I'm, I'm your pastor. I've doubted, and I've struggled, struggled in the faith. But, Maddie, you, you talked about something that was so good. You know, my, my daughter would be basically your age, but, and, and this, this was so good when you shared it to me. You talked about, you, you talked about, it wasn't your strength. Mm -hmm. talk, talk, talk to the congregation about how you work through some of this and how you're working through it. Yeah, well, I, I said before, and this sort of became my mantra after several months of trying to handle this in my own strength. And the fact is you just can't. Like we're not designed to handle death. We're not designed to handle all the hardships that we face in this life on our own. And it went from me trying to, to kind of buck up and, and deal with it and power through to just realizing that, man, in grief and, and in life, like surrender is more powerful than strength, right? right? Because we surrender to Christ and he has taken the burdens for us. He can carry us through it. He can equip us, you know, as Lamentation said, his mercies are new every morning. And he, he equipped me every morning. And I, I just had to learn to do that. And I mean, even to a practical extent where I had a paper because I felt so overwhelmed by these choices and these fears and questions. And so I had this paper on my bedside and, and I wrote Jesus in Sharpie because it's permanent and wow. immovable. And then whatever was on my mind that day that I needed to surrender, I wrote in pencil and it could be anything from, you know, will I be able to love someone again? Will I, will I eventually be able to have a family to do I clean out his car today? Do I sell the car? You know, anything practical or large scale. And I just would read it out every morning. And some days I felt like I was just spiritual warrior, believed it, felt it. Some days, I don't think I believed a word I said, but I did it and right. I surrendered every day and he's, he's faithful every day. You know, Maddie, you said something else in the early service too. And I, I've thought about this a lot with my wife, you know, my wife's mother died at 53. She uh, basically found, the day she found out she had cancer, she died of cancer. Mm. And it was such a, she was just such a young girl. And on many occasions, I would say to Barbara, I would say, Barbara, how did you, uh, how'd you work through? How'd you, how'd you get through this? And she said, I, I just kept telling myself that mama's in heaven. That mama's in heaven. Yeah. And I think you did some of that too, didn't you? I man? did, it, and it is the most powerful. It sounds simple, but the, on the on the worst days, that I don't want to get out of bed or see anyone days, I had to actively remind myself, imagine where he is. Imagine the joy that he exudes on earth in a, in a 
to a degree that you can't even fathom and know that he's so good and so happy that he would never come back. And it, it doesn't take any of the pain away, but it allowed me to, to really be genuinely happy for him, even though I was heartbroken. That's right. You know, Maddie, I've often thought about this. The Bible says a, a, a man in the Bible died by the name of Lazarus. Use the verse. You said Jesus wept. Mm -hmm. And did you ever think about Maddie, why Jesus wept? I think it's because of what I said. He, we, we weren't intended to have to bear the burden of, of death and ourselves and the others that we lose. And I think that part of what brought me back to the Lord in the, in the angry moments is that this isn't what he wants for us to have no. to handle either. And that he cries for us, our brokenhearted, you know, his brokenhearted children. You're right. And his, heart his heart's broken too. You're right. Maddie's right. She's exactly right. But I'll give you something to think about, folks. Jesus was omniscient. He knew everything. So when he got there and Lazarus had died, he knew he was going to resurrect Lazarus. Remember, he'd been dead four days. But Maddie, here's a thought. Here's a thought. Jesus wept because he knew where he was bringing him back from. Mm. <laughs> he knew he was in a much better place. Yeah. And he was going to have to come back here. And Barbara's mother and Ben and your loved ones, they wouldn't want to come back yep. here either. Amen. Because, folks, they're in a better place. Amen. Yep. They're in a better place. Can we give the Lord praise? They're in a better place. <laughs> Maddie, you just skimmed the surface. But I want you to know, Lemons on Friday. Lemons on Friday is a wonderful, wonderful book. And Maddie is a wonderful, wonderful young lady it has a tremendous, tremendous story. Can you join me in letting her know how much we appreciate her being oh, with us? Thank y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I want you to remain standing. Can we remain standing for just a moment? I want to talk to you for just a few moments. I have been preaching a series of messages entitled, No Place Like Home. We've been talking about the home. We've been talking about family. We're going to continue that even next week. Next week, we'll be talking about family. We'll be honoring all of our graduates on Graduate Sunday and all of our service, services next week. It's going to be a great day. But when I knew Maddie was sharing her story, I knew she was sharing her story. I just said, I just want to do a little research and I just want to do a little study. And I want to share a concept, folks, that I've, I've never looked at before. Perhaps you have. You'd say, well, I, I've thought about that before. But I've never thought about it before. But it's in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 12 says this. And his disciples come and took the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Give me the story, Pastor Benny. I'll tell you the story. John the Baptist is beheaded. You know the story. He's beheaded. They bury his body. And after his body's buried, they come and they tell Jesus. Now get this. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. Sometimes if you don't go apart, you'll come apart. Amen? He departed into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot 
out of the cities. And then verse 14 says this. Verse 14 says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. Let us pray. Lord, I bow my head and my heart in your presence. I thank you for this day. I thank you, God, for Maddie's story. What an encouragement it is. What an encouragement it is to us. I pray now that you will speak to us and through us. Give your word a free course to travel. May it find a lodging place in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. For all you do, we're going to praise you. For I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to take just a few moments and I want to talk to you about when loss hits home. When loss hits home. We've got a beautiful story here in the book of Matthew about John the Baptist. Now, who was John the Baptist? If you'll remember, he was six months older than Jesus. He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was the one that came before Jesus and said, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're talking about a, a cousin of Jesus. We're talking about one that Jesus had such a close relationship with. He had such a close relationship. One day, John the Baptist was baptizing down in the Jordan River where I've baptized many of you. And he was baptizing down in the Jordan River and John looks up and he sees Jesus. And he says these words, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I'm grateful Jesus didn't come just to cover it up, but he came to take it away. Amen? I'm proud our sins can be cast into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against us again. The Bible says that John encounters Jesus and Jesus goes down into the water and literally John baptizes him there in the Jordan River. Jesus made this statement. He said, of all the people, there's not a greater among you than John the Baptist. There's not a greater among you than John the Baptist. You say, Pastor Benny, why did you tell us all that? I just want you to see that John and Jesus were very close. See, Jesus was 100% man, but he was 100% God. And what I want you to see is John and Jesus were very, very close. And the Bible says that he heard the news that John had been beheaded. He was dead. And here's the concept that hit my mind. How did Jesus respond? How did Jesus respond when he lost someone very dear to him? Because he is our example. And there's three simple things I want you to see that Jesus did. The first thing I want you to see is this. He grieved. He grieved. Verse 13 says he just went into a solitary place. He just wanted to be alone. He was a person. He was a human being, and he grieved. I want you to know something, folks. It's normal to grieve. Somebody said, don't cry, but we should cry. 
Do you realize that when we cry, the Bible says God puts our tears in a bottle? That God, do, do you realize that according to Isaiah chapter 38, that tears attract the attention of God? So certainly when we cry, God responds. He grieved. I remember uh, the scripture tells us that we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. It didn't say we wouldn't sorrow. It didn't say we wouldn't have hardships. It didn't say we wouldn't experience death. It didn't say we wouldn't go through problems and perplexities. Literally, he grieved. And 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13, as I say, says, we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. I remember that story about my wife's mother passing. We, could, we go to the funeral and spend some time and come back to Georgia and I encounter a preacher and the preacher says to me, Brother Benny, is Barbara over her mother's death? I said, over her mother's death? She'll never get over her mother's death. Psalms 23 and 4 says, yea, though I walk through. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't get over, we just get through. We just get through. And God helps us get through. But it's okay to grieve. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to, to be down. It's okay to, to, get that, to be down, but God doesn't want us to stay down. Amen? Amen? So he grieved. But then there's something else I think so important, folks. He gave himself to others. I, Carl Menninger the great psychologist was asked one time, if you ever feel like you're having a nervous breakdown, if you ever feel like you're just about to have a nervous breakdown, Dr. Meninger, what should you do? Dr. Meninger said, get up from where you're at. Go down the road. Find somebody who's in worse shape than you're in and help them. Ladies and gentlemen, I do believe when we give flowers to other people, it leaves a fragrance in our hands. I want you to understand something. Jesus had lost John. I, I don't know exactly how long he had grieved, but I know he was hurting. He had lost John. He was hurting. He had grieved. But the Bible says something in verse 14. The Bible says, and Jesus went forth. By the way, folks, you said, Pastor Benny, I've lost somebody, and I know that's semantics. We really don't even have to say that, folks, because if you've lost something, you don't know where it's at. But if our loved one knew Christ, we know where they're at, amen? We know where they're at. The Bible says, and Jesus went forth, and that's what we've got to do. We've got to go forth and look. And he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. What did Jesus do? He gave himself to other people. Right after this story, Jesus takes five loaves and two fishes, and he blesses it, and everybody has fish and chips. Do you folks ever read the Bible? Here's all I want you to see. He grieved, but then he said, no, no. I've gone in a shell, but I can't stay in a shell. God's still got a purpose, and God's still got a plan. 
Let me tell you something, folks. If you're not dead, God's not done. God's still got a plan. God's still got a purpose for your life. He grieved. He said, no, no, no. He gave himself to others. But then there's a third thing that he did. I'd, I'd never thought about it till this week. He shared gratitude. He shared gratitude. I believe appreciation appreciates. He shared gratitude. See, he healed those people, and then the Bible says he did something. I told you he took five loaves and two fishes, and he fed the multitude. But look what the Bible says in John 6 and 11. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks. Folks, I've been traveling with this book called Defy the Odds. And every interview I do, they ask me this question. They say, Pastor Benny, you was raised by dysfunctional environment. Told you was ignorant, you'd never amount to anything. Told you was illegitimate, had no future. Very dysfunctional. How did you avoid a victim mentality? How, how did you in, avoid a victim mentality? I said, it's this simple. I look for things to be grateful for. See, many times we're grumbly hateful when we ought to be humbly grateful. I think most of our prayer life is give or forgive. But I think more of our prayer life ought to just be thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your blessings on me because you've been incredibly good to me. You've been incredibly good. So what did Jesus do? He, he, he just expressed gratitude. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor who stood up to Hitler and was hung at 39 years of age, said these words. There is nothing that can replace the absence of someone dear to us. And one should not even attempt to do so. One must simply hold out and endure it. At first, that sounds very hard, but at the same time, it's also a great comfort. For to the extent the emptiness truly remains unfulfilled, unfilled, one remains connected to the other person through it. It is wrong to say that God feels the emptiness. God in no way feels it, but much more leaves it precisely unfilled and thus helps us preserve, even in pain, the authentic relationship. Furthermore, the more beautiful and full the remembrances, the more difficult the separation. But gratitude transformed the torment of memory into silent joy. God gives us memories 
so we can have roses in December. Dr. Seuss said, I'm not going to cry because it's over. I'm going to be happy because it happened. I'm going to be happy because it happened. So you said, Pastor, Jesus experienced loss. Sure he did. What did he do? He grieved just like we do. He wept just like we do. But he said, no, no. I'm going to give myself to other people. And then he said, I'm not going to focus just on what's lost. I'm going to focus on what I've got left. This week, I go to Tennessee. And while I'm up there, I'm getting me some cleaning supplies and I'm cleaning family members' graves. I cleaned my brother-in-law's grave. He was only 23. I'm cleaning his grave. I'm cleaning my mother-in-law's grave. She was only 53. I'm cleaning Barbara's cousin's grave. I think he was 27. Here's the message, folks. I don't try to scare people, but here's the reality. We don't know when we're gonna leave here. I'm not, we don't know when we're gonna leave here. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time. And then it vanishes. We need to make sure is our hearts right with Christ. And we need to make sure our lives are counting for Him. Somebody said, I counted dollars while God counted crosses. I counted gains while He counted losses. I counted my worth by those things gained in store, but He sized me up by the scars that I bore. I counted the honors, I sought all the degrees, but he counted the hours I spent on my knees. And I never knew until one day by a grave how vain are the things we spend our lives to save. Elizabeth Taylor's house was robbed and they got her pearls and they got her diamonds and they got her emeralds and they got all of her jewelry. And the law officer was writing it up. And the law officer said, Miss Taylor, you seem so calm. She said, yes. And they said, why? And the actress Elizabeth Taylor said, I'm not gonna cry for things that can't cry back for me. I'm not going to cry for things that can't cry back for me. Folks, what's the importance of our relationship with God and our relationship with others? 
our relationship with God and our relationship with others. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Rock Springs Church. If you would like more information about Rock Springs, be sure to follow us on social media or connect with us at rockspringsonline.com. Join us right here next week for another message from Rock Springs Church.